0: Amen, that's good. I like that song. Goes with the text tonight, goes with the message. I think Brother Pickett must work diligently at doing that. If you join me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter number 2 and Philippians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 2 and Philippians chapter number 3. Well, I hope you enjoyed the day. I hope you enjoyed the Rochesters this morning. And uh, the preaching was excellent. I enjoyed the message. It was right down, uh, right down the alley. And I thank God I got to hear it. But uh, I'm glad tonight that we're here now. This is the church. This is uh, dinner time. This is around the supper table, if you please. And I'd kind of like to help you tonight. The sermon title that I'd like to try to develop tonight is Living on Purpose. There are so many people today that is drifting with no goal in mind. Allowing the day to control them instead of them controlling the day. Then when they get to the end of the rope and the end of the day, they look back and said, Vanity, all is vanity, saith the Lord. When Solomon had summed up all of his labor, all his achievements all his attainments and all of his popularity, power and prestige, he summed it up with these words, I hate life. The wealthiest, the most powerful, the most influential man in all the world at that day, When he had attained what he had set out to attain, he said, it is all empty and vain. A man started a hobby of writing to famous philosophers and scientists and authors and asking them, what is the purpose of life? The responses he got back were depressing at best. Isaac Asmoth wrote back, as far as I can see, there is no purpose in life. Carl Jung, the Australian psychiatrist, wrote, I don't know what the meaning or the purpose of life is, but it looks like as if there were something meant by it. Arthur Clarke wrote, 2001, the book, I'm afraid I have no concrete idea of the purpose of life. Albert Ellis, the psychiatrist who invented the RET therapy, As far as I can tell, life has no special or intrinsic meaning or purpose. What's life to you? A Monday morning? A Monday evening? Three hours of television? Tuesday morning? Back to work? Back home? Arguing with the wife. My Lord, it's already Sunday. We got to go to church. Thomas Nagel, I'm afraid the meaning of life still eludes me. The author Joseph Heller wrote, I have no answers to the purpose of life, and I no longer want to search for any. Most people. Do not live a life that's meaningful or with purpose. And we're teaching our kids to live the same hollow, meaningless life. I think it would be good for some of us to begin living on purpose. The Welsh poet David White wrote, I thought this was funny. I don't want to have written on my tombstone when finally people struggle through the weeds, pull back the moss, and read the inscription there, he made his car payments. What are you living for? God has a purpose for our lives. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Notice what the Bible says. Let's not read over it too fast that we might miss the full intent of the verse. The Bible says, for we are his workmanship. You heard that little song, He's still working on me Amen. to make me what I ought to be. Remember that little song? Had a travesty this week, had an upheaval this week, had a misunderstanding this week, had an accident this week. He's still working on me. You say, but I don't like I don't like the classroom. Then learn what you need to learn real quick so you can get out of that one. Amen. For we are His workmanship. workmanship. Notice, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then a perfect example. Philippians chapter number 3, verse 7. And the Apostle Paul is writing for us. And he's given us the testimony of a purpose-driven life. And he says in verse 7... But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Amen. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done. That I may win Christ. Amen. And be found in him not having my own righteousness which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What a testimony! That a great soldier of Christ would write looking out the window at the man who was going to decapitate him in just a few days. In prison not for wrong, but in prison for right. Incarcerated, cold, and seen forgotten. He writes this to us. And he said, even here in this cold, deep, dark jail, I'm still pressing toward the mark. I have a life of purpose. Although I'm incarcerated, I still are living a life on purpose. Tonight, I would like to encourage each one of us maybe to take a little bit of evaluation Of last week. And maybe if you would please look ahead to next week and see maybe if there's not a higher purpose, a higher reason than we have already determined in our heart. I told you last week or two weeks ago or some weeks ago about a best selling book by the name of The Purpose Driven Life written by a progressive Baptist, quote, unquote, or not a Baptist at all. (laughs) And it was a great idea. Uh, And I believe it's biblical, the title, A Purpose Driven Life. I jotted down something. All of us are living by design Or by default. We are driven by somebody or something. We are being driven by a philosophy. By an idea. Or by a person. And I would like to just share with you. That title is, is absolutely ingenious. I wish I'd have thought about it then I would have been rich. <laughs> and after you read the book, I've read uh, so much of it until I just decided I didn't want to read anymore. But as you read the book, you'll find that there is a, a person of the Godhead that is completely left out of the book. He's called the Holy Spirit. The theme is excellent. But it's all about building a church through man's skill, intellect, and ingenuity. I'm not interested in building lives through my intellect, my wisdom, my experience. You leave the Holy Spirit of God out, we might as well go home right now. In my counseling, and I do very little of it, I do it three times a week right here. Amen. And, and, and in my counseling, always incorporated is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Amen. You take those out, we're all on level ground. Amen. We're just sinners saved by grace. Amen. Losers by choice, if you please, and winners by grace. And I say to you tonight that you can... Not build a life, build a church, build a home, build a family without the Holy Spirit of God. It's all about building a church, asking people what kind of church they want. Instead of the kind of church that God wants. Amen. You understand that? Yes, sir. The book is a great idea. Living a purpose-driven life. That's a wonderful deal, isn't it? And our purpose, if our purpose is to honor God and glorify Him, then praise God, amen, hallelujah. But how can you do that if you leave God out? For instance, in the book, there's over 1,200 references to Scripture. But hermeneutically, the book is absolutely unsound. They misapply scriptures. You can't apply scriptures that's dealing with Israel to the church. And come out on top. You just can't take scriptures out of the word of God and say, that's, That's written to me. When it wasn't written to you. And so it's easy, if you please, to take the Bible and pull verses out of its context. And if you take a text out of its context, you have nothing but a pretext. And that is what happened in the book. But I think tonight, I think it is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful idea living a purpose-driven life. We either live for purpose that God designed us or we live according to the demands of our schedules and expectations of others. Now you think about that just a minute. How many men and women are living according to the expectations of their mate instead of God's design? And if it does not work that way, then the other mate gets upset because they're not living a purpose-driven life. They get upset because somebody else is trying to live for God and not them. You can say amen. It'll be all right. Some people think the purpose of life is making money. I think that's good. I've just flopped at it. And that's okay. Okay others like being popular and having power and prestige there's nothing wrong with these things but if they are your whole purpose of life then there's an imminent emptiness to it and it's kind of like cotton candy sweet to the taste with no substance I wonder how many of us tonight are spending our lives and spending our wills trying to satisfy everybody in the world except he who ordained Amen. that we are his workmanship. Amen. And receiving flack from it all the time by somebody else who's not also living a purpose driven life. What a, what, what a terrible thing when a husband and wife are living that way and there's so much tension Can I give you just two or three benefits to living a purpose-driven life? Let me give them to you, if you would, please. I want to show you something. And I'll tell you, it'll take a lot of living out of your liver. (laughs) You know, we pray for a lot of folks, and we ought to pray for our loose livers in our church. You know, if we're physically concerned about folk, let's pray for loose livers. (laughs) those folks who's living like they want to instead of like God wants them to. Those folks that's doing their own thing when they want to do it. Now, I, I got news for you tonight. If you are continually missing church for any reason, you are not living a purpose. Amen. Amen. God purposed. God ordained Amen. kind of life. Amen. You just can't. You just can't. And what has happened tonight is that uh, somehow or another we got the idea that God is a woolly old man upstairs that just agrees with everything we do. You know, after all, he loves us so much and we're such fine folk. And we're Baptists, fundamental to the core. Why, we can do everything we want to and God will understand. That's the problem in America right today. There is no boundaries Anymore. God is no longer God in this nation. And we can just do anything. But now let me help you a little bit. I just want to help our folks tonight. And uh, this is not psychology. But it will sure help you from having a nervous breakdown. Amen. Let me tell you. Living a purpose driven life. You say preacher. Now how do you know this? I've tried to practice it for 46, 47 years. Uh, you say well I've seen you. You go coon nothing. Well, that's, I do that on purpose. <laughs> and there's a divine purpose for it. Did you know that it is so necessary that I go coon hunting, then I can absolutely write that off on my income tax. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? psychological release I can write off the gas I don't I can write off the dog collars I don't until they start costing a lot of money <laughs> why don't we just start being honest with ourselves Amen. have you ever heard of road rage yes. Amen. do you know that people in our country will shoot you for pulling over in front of them on the freeway? Did you know folks will absolutely shoot you, run you over, run you off the road if you just make a mistake, an honest, sincere mistake? They are so angry, so in a hurry, so fast-paced to get to the next thing, that we don't even enjoy the thing that we're doing now because we got to hurry and get on to the next thing. We are living in a emotionally, psychologically crippled society. You cannot watch the news in my house without at least the first three or four segments is about somebody who got shot or somebody got raped. Or some little girl is found in the street with a tarpaulin wrapped around her with a bag over her head. Uh, We are living in a sick, sick society. Let me tell you why. There's just no purpose. Everybody got to hurry up to get to the next thing, the next game the next event, Amen. the next job, Amen. the next opportunity. Amen. And I'll tell you, living a purposed live, driven life, number one, it will reduce frustration. Amen. My purpose, and I know my purpose, my purpose is to honor God, Amen. to glorify God, To be his servant, humbly and obediently to him. Anything that steps in the way of that, I have got to learn to say no. Be it job, be it hobby, be it pleasure, be it neighbors, be it friends, be it uh, uh, anybody in my life. If I am going to live a purpose life, a life on purpose, then everything else that comes into view and and tries to aggravate that or tries to sidetrack that, I just say, no, I'm not going to do it. I do not have to run and rush to this job and to that job and to this thing and to that thing and to this opportunity and to this trick and to this and to this. I am not like a tomcat clouded up trying to go all directions at one time. Do you know anybody who is frustrated? I wish I could get out of this prison I'm in. I don't know what to do. You need a purpose. For a living, to know your purpose, you can reduce meaningless work. Meaningless work. Otherwise, you may feel like you're always busy, but not accomplishing much. Do you know anybody like that? Spinning their wheels. Advertising this and advertising that. Man, I've got so many irons in the fire that we've put out the fire. We're burning the candle at both ends and we're not even as bright as we think we are. Amen. Wouldn't it be nice if we could come to the church next Sunday and not frustrated about something? Amen. You can if you'll get a purpose, Amen. a godly purpose Amen. and live your life on purpose. Now, I know you have a job. Well, preacher, it'd be easy for you. I mean, all you got to do is just make sure Jim does what he does and the rest of them does what they does and you don't does anything. You just, it's easy for you. You you have no responsibilities. You you have nothing on your shoulders. You, uh, you're, Just a young whippersnapper that has no no frustrations at all. Do you know, you don't have to be a full-time pastor to live on purpose. Our problem is, we're living for the wrong purpose. I see some of you out in public, and the way you dress... Your purpose is not to bring glory to God. I see some of the attitudes that we have. Look, I don't know if you know this or not, but God didn't put everybody on this earth to serve you, He put us here to serve Him. And many times when you don't get served, you get frustrated. It's not that we don't want to serve. It's just sometimes we forget things or something passes over. And if you'd start living a life on purpose, it would take away all the frustrations you're having. Amen. It's so... Well, I've got to make this appointment, and I've got to make this appointment, and if I don't do this, well, I've been doing this a hundred years, I can't quit this, and, and I've got to do this, and I hey, look, we were his workmanship Amen. created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God before hath ordained that we should walk in them Amen. that does not encompass my all-inclusive golf game or my kunundi or any other one of 5,000 things that I could cut out of my life. That encompasses glorifying God with your life every single hour of the day. And it'll cut out the frustrations. It's hard for me to say No. That's why Jim's in charge of folk who come wanting help. Right? Don't bring them to me. Instead of bringing them to me, you just give them the money because I'm going to. (laughs) Jim's in charge of that. Andrew's in charge of that. Somebody else in charge of that. It's easy. You never have to say no. But there are just some things... If you're going to live for God, you're going to have to say no to. Amen. And that would help you and help everybody in their frustrations. Secondly, if I would live a purpose driven life, if my life was lived on purpose, it will increase our motivation. Have you ever gotten out of bed and, and just sit on the edge of the bed and said, now what's next? Amen. And when next comes up, it's the same thing you did yesterday that didn't mean a lot. Well, uh, two cups of coffee, decaf. <laughs> if you're over 50, it's decaf. It's under 50, it's full strength. I rush to the bathroom to get everything done. Tires are on and the car's all ready to go out the driveway. You go. Punch in, break in two hours and a half, 15 minutes only. Lunchtime, break, punch out, go home. Bed. No sleep. Turn the TV on. It might put me to sleep. What is your motivation? Amen. Amen. I would like to hear somebody say, Well done, Amen. thy good and faithful servant. Amen. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You see, nobody's looking over me making sure I make that next visit. Nobody's looking over me making sure I got Soul Winner's New Testament with me so that I can I can invite people to Christ. Nobody's motivating the motivator. Nobody's pushing the pusher. Nobody's encouraging the encourager, except a life with purpose. If your life Purpose is to make money. I hope you're doing a good job at it and tithing. If your life purpose is to be powerful and influential, I hope you do that and influence people to Christ. Amen. But whatever you do, involved in that, I believe your motivation would be enthusiastic and would be uh, more uh, motivational if deep down inside... You're doing it for the Savior. And I believe most of you are. But I'd sure like to keep you from having a nervous breakdown. Also, I've got to go. It will allow concentration. Purpose allows me to focus. It keeps me on track. Does your life every once in a while jump a track? Does your life ever once in a while you revert back and say, "I don't believe I said that. I swore I wouldn't do that, and now I've done it again." Now I, I, I just knew that I would not do that. But now, let me tell you something: if you have a purpose in your life. And your purpose is to fulfill God's will in your life and to glorify God in your life. If that's all on your mind constantly, daily as you read His Word, daily as you pray, daily as you reach out to God, daily as He leads you, if you have that purpose in your mind and concentrate on that purpose, it will help you and keep you in check. Oh, I don't want the preacher to see me dressed like this. That's not what's important. What's important is that God sees you dressed like that. People come to me all the time and say, You never, you never guess who I saw down at the store in their hot pants and in their bikiniki top. (laughs) Don't come and tell me that. Just get on your knees and thank God that you don't dress like that anymore. But you see, you're not not bringing reproach to me. You're bringing reproach to him and to his church. And folk in town know all of you folks are a member of this weird bunch of people. This old-fashioned Bible-believing, narrow kind of church. Amen. And let me help you. We're not going to broaden it Amen. just because you won't run around no clothes on. Amen. And you say, you're going to preach on it just when I feel like it. So don't report it to me. I won't be preaching on it. I can concentrate that way. <laughs> Having a good time yet? Yes, it allows you to ignore things that can easily detract you Take your attention away from the things that really matter. How many businesses I've been offered since I've been in the ministry. I had not been saved but just a few months. I had not just given my business away just a few months before. Until I was offered half interest in a business. And they would furnish the money and they would furnish the machines and they would furnish everything except the know-how. How How many times did the devil throw something at me to get me part-time in the ministry? And God is not interested in part-time lives. God is interested in... In full time lives. Life with purpose. Life that honors him. Are we not his workmanship? Are you saved? Say amen. Amen. Are you saved? Say amen. amen. Did you save yourself? No. Then you're his workmanship. Amen. And you're not an exception to the rule. I just believe it will allow us to reduce frustration. And I see so much frustration in our homes. Frustration that produces arguments that's not needed. Frustrations that cause us to say things that we need not say. Because they put scars on one another's heart that cannot be taken away. Frustrations that make us respond to things in the wrong manner. <coughs> but a purpose-driven life <coughs> will help us concentrate. Purpose not only help us to know who and what to do, it will always tell us what not to do. Mm -hmm. I guess I need to close because it's getting awful quiet. Look at verse 8. I'm just going to give you a few things and I'm going to close. Philippians 3 and verse 8. How can we live this life on purpose? How do we do it? Many of us are swinging wildly away at life, but we are missing the whole purpose for which God intended us, it reminds me of one of golf's immortal moments came when a Scotchman demonstrated the new game of golf to President Ulysses Grant. Carefully placing the ball on the tee, the Scotchman took a mighty swing with the club, turf was scattered everywhere and dirt just filled the president's beard while the, do- while the ball rigidly sat still on the tee. President Grant watched the Scotchman as he took six swings at that ball as hard as he could. Moving earth, shaking rocks. And after a while, the patient president said, There seems to be a fair amount of exercise in this game, but I fail to see the purpose of the ball. Now, listen. Are you swinging away at life, but missing the ball? Swinging and still no purpose? Quickly, look in your Bible at verse number 8. To have purpose in life, we must know Christ. What a wonderful message this morning that Brother Andrew preached. And I could uh, I could have just sat and listened to honoring the Lord and exalting the Lord in His death and burial and resurrection. I can have listened a long time. But notice verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Amen. Oh, we must know. We must know the Lord Jesus in a personal way. John 10.10 talks about the thief cometh but to rob and to steal and to destroy. But the Son has come to give us life. And thank God that's eternal life. But it also means meaningful life. And the best life here on earth has got to be a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, and I know this is going to hurt, but we must forget the past. Verse 13. Look at this. Paul said, Man, I'm not going to tag around these old bags of hurt and guilt. But verse 13, Paul says, He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Are you ready? Are you ready? How many old dead cats are behind are you stowing away someplace so you can hit somebody in the face with them the next time you want to say something nasty about them? It hurts me to see people ridicule and run down. You're hurting nobody but yourself. You say, but you don't know them. He does. And he loves them. And he's forgiven toward them. And I'm sure glad that you don't know about me what you know about somebody else. Because if you can't forgive somebody else, you probably couldn't forgive me. We got a lot of shiny halos in this place. And I'm not preaching to give you a license to sin. License to repeat. Lifestyles and mistakes of the past. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about if you're going to live a life of purpose for God. You're going to have to get some of these old thoughts out of your mind. Some of these old hurts out of your heart. And some of these say, you're just going to have to forget them. And put them under the blood, under the cross. And go on, bless God, serving God. Or you're going to be frustrated all your life. Well, preacher, you act like you agree with everything. I don't agree with anything. In fact, I can't even agree with me most of the time. But is there something that you can't forget that is continually frustrating you? Well, I don't understand. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Oh, well, I, I just don't understand. Well, understand. Why don't you understand about forgiveness? What's the shoe was on the other foot? I'm just saying. When some of you folk got married, you brought a lot of baggage into the deal. Amen. And you have to quit blaming. And start forgiving. Amen. And start remembering, you said, till death, do us part. You say, well, I know somebody got three or four divorces and marriage. Yeah, you know somebody's still frustrated. Amen. Somebody's not living for God. Somebody don't have a purpose in life. Let me tell you something. I'd rather have you cut my throat as to walk up and tell one of my kids that I'm a 10-carat loser and I couldn't keep my pants on or my eyes and my head It's just something bigger than my flesh, and it's just something bigger than who I am, and it's just something bigger than what I want. But if I had been the woman at the well, and if I had of had five marriages, and if the one I was shacking up with now was not my own, to be Christ-like. What should I do? Neither do I condemn thee. Amen. Frustrated are you? Yeah, I'm frustrated at your preaching. Sorry, Charlie, it ain't going to change. Amen. Some of us need to just forget the past. God said, "For I know the thoughts. You, I have toward you. Saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace are not evil. To give you an expected end. Amen. If your past is bad. You can't, at least can't let it keep you from doing God's purpose. Amen. And if your past is good. You can't depend on it. Amen. To have God say well done. Amen. Which one of us. Have not sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Which one of us. Have not fallen short. Of God's standard. Well that was before I got saved. I doubt if you're saved already. If you're thinking like that. Which one of us. I'm not saying. To forgive folk. For their sake. I'm saying you need to forget things. For your sake. Well, I really thought this would turn out better than what it is. Thirdly, we must have, if we're going to live a purpose driven life, we must have a worthy goal. What is your goal in life? Tomorrow, when you get up, what is your goal? What has been your goal for the last six months? What has been your goal since you bowed your knee? humble your heart and confess Christ as your Savior. You say, preacher, my goal is provide for my family. Hey, that's wonderful. But you can do that, living a life with purpose. Well, my my goal, preacher, is to get ahead in the world. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Joseph did well down in Egypt. Did he not? God don't mind us having money. He just don't want money to have us. And if God could trust us, I bet he'd give us some more. Because all of it is for us. He didn't put all this wealth here for the devil's crowd. It's just he can't trust us with it. What would we do with it if we had it? We'd buy season tickets probably. (laughs) Come on, say amen. amen. We'd buy us a boat. And we'd have boats for Jesus on Sunday down at the dock. What am I saying to you? I'm saying, bless your heart, it's okay, it's okay. You need to have a, a a a a personal relationship with Christ, and you need to forget the past, but you need to have a worthy goal. Verse thirteen, brethren, I count myself myself not to have apprehend, but there's one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth toward those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the high, of the prize of high calling. Of God in Christ Jesus. God operates in an intentional manner. There's nothing about God that's haphazard. There's nothing about God. Well, I just don't have to organize this today. There's nothing about God that just lets things happen. How many of us just lets things happen? Well, I'll handle that when it comes my way. I'm not making any preparation. There is nothing about God that is not intentional. And there should be nothing about us that is not intentional. We do it for this reason. We do it like we do it for this reason. We do it when we do it, like we do it, how we do it, for this reason. That's a life of purpose. Well, I want kids so that it'll glue our relationship more firm together. Those are called grandkids. (laughs) Not my kids. (laughs) Huh? If you want to see a wreck, come to my house after Ben has been there about 30 minutes. Everything... Is everywhere. And he will notice something two hours ago. But he'll not let you know that he noticed it two hours ago. And he will con you for two hours. In another room. To get your head turned. So that he can go back and get what he saw two hours ago. He's not supposed to have. That does not glue that aggravates. We must have a worthy goal. Have you ever noticed that if you do not have an agenda for your life, someone will provide one for you. If you do not know where you're going, Somebody will always be willing to give you instructions on how to get there. Do you have a life on purpose? Tomorrow, are you going to get up? I just... We must realize that our purpose is eternal. Verse 14. The Bible says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm done. I want to say, you must know Christ. Forget the past. Have a worthy goal. And you must realize that your purpose is eternal. Eternal. My wife and I do a little traveling, more this year than ever. I have never spent so much money to look at buffaloes in my life. But I've never seen such beautiful buffaloes in my life. When I look at my American Express card, I say, thank God for buffaloes. And mountains. A hillbilly. Buys plane tickets. And rent a cars. To see mountains. I did not go to Yellowstone National Park. To see a park. Or to see buffalo. I went. To be with my wife. And I had a purpose. An intimate purpose. Just she and I. I'm driving. She's taking pictures. (laughs) She's griping because I was driving too fast. She couldn't get that picture. (laughs) Intimate. Listen to me. And so many years I traveled in evangelism, uh, motels were my home. Now, when I get to a motel, I know they've got drawers and I know they've got closets and I know they've got all of that. And I've seen some folks, as soon as they get to the motel room, they pull the drawers out and put their clothes in and out of the bag, put in there and their socks here and their, all that kind of stuff, like they're going to stay there forever. Man, I ain't taking nothing out of my suitcase. Because I'm fixing to go back home as soon as I get through this deal. Most folks, when they go on vacation, they take their clothes out of the bag, put them in the drawers, and call the lobby and ask them, Could I redecorate this room? (laughs) Uh, I would be glad to paint the room if you'll furnish the paint. Seemed like they're just gonna dig in forever. Kind of reminds you of this life, doesn't it? Amen. The way we're acting, the way we were rede- redecorating, things we put so much emphasis on. We've already taken our clothes out of the suitcase because. We're not pilgrims and strangers. This world is our home. This world is what we get our gratification. This world, we want to redecorate and paint it and get it all pretty. So that, bless God, we can just stay here forever. Not me, buddy. I'm just a passing through. And I'm not unpacking and I'm not getting too comfortable and I'm not getting sidetracked and I'm not getting derailed because I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. Which God before ordained that I should walk in them just a few hints on living a life on purpose. Pleasure won't last. Solomon saw that. Possessions won't last. Timothy said, they that would be rich fall into divers temptations and Foolish and hurtful lust. Prestige won't last. Because Jesus said many who want to be first shall end up last. I just wonder, could you get up tomorrow with a God-given eternal purpose in your life?